0: If you have your Bible with you this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to be reading verses 1 and then verses 4 through 7. Would you stand with me, please? This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people, Nebuchadnezzar, had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And then down to verse 4. This is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may too have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper." Let us pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we pray that from your words spoken thousands of years ago to a people in exile, Lord, that we would learn how to live when things don't go our way, when we're in a place we never expected ourselves to be. Father, you are still there for us and you have instruction and wisdom and hope for us. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Have you blown it? I mean, have you ever really blown it? Have you ever messed up so bad that you just say, oh, that's no biggie? But you knock down and you don't want to get up again. You don't think you can get up again. You are in a place, you're in a pit, you're in a spot where you failed or you've messed up or somebody has done something to you. And you're really not sure what you're going to do. You're really not sure how you're going to move forward from that situation, that circumstance, that relationship, that issue in your life. How am I going to move forward? Well, today's message uh, comes from the prophet Jeremiah, and it was words that were given to him by the Lord. And this message, I'm entitling it, Flourishing After Failure. The idea is, we look at what God had to say to a people who are... Uh, had experienced his wrath to a people who had messed up and messed up and messed up over and over again. God had sent prophet after prophet after prophet saying, repent, turn, do the right thing. And they kept doing the wrong thing. And finally, God said, okay, uh, I'm going to allow you to be taken away. In fact, God doesn't even say, hey, uh, you know, these big bad Babylonians did this to you. He said, You're in the city where I've carried you. God is in control. And they have gone into this situation because of their sin. Now, were there some folks among them who were doing what was right? Absolutely. All of us have, at times, been caught up in the consequences of somebody else's bad behavior. That's just the way life works. We're all connected. So whether you find yourself in a, in a failure or in a bad situation because you messed up or somebody else messed up, it doesn't really matter because we face some of the same issues either way. How do we flourish? How do we not simply exist, but how do we, how do we really thrive post-failure, after the big one has happened? This morning I want us to think of, first of all, um, there are some temptations. That we have to resist. We have to think about some things that we have to say no to because we're going to experience these temptations. The first temptation is simply to give up. It's simply to quit living. To say it's over with uh, my reputation or my bank account or this relationship or my health or what whatever we say whatever this bad thing going on. It'll never be the same, and so therefore I just quit. And there were people within the camp of Israel who, who said, I quit. I quit. I don't want to live anymore. The psalmist records a, a song where they say, how can I sing a song of the Lord in a foreign land? I mean, they're like, we're not where we were supposed to be in life. We were supposed to be in Jerusalem at God's temple. We, we wanted to serve him. We wanted to do things there. And now we found ourselves in a foreign place. We are strangers. We are exiles. We are, I don't even know how we can go on. And God's advice to them was to not stop living, but to keep on going, to keep on living, even though they were in a new place, life had not stopped, and they had to continue living. A second temptation we'll often face is to latch on to false hope. You know, if, you, if you're saying, oh, there's no way out of this, the flip side is to say, oh, everything's going to be great. You know, because I'm a Christian, I know God's just going to reach down and pluck me out of this, and, and, and he's going to just totally change this situation. And I'm going to tell you, there are going to be people who will encourage that type of thinking. I, I remember years ago, I don't talk much about my divorce, but I remember when I was going through the divorce. Of course, I was a, a pastor then as well. And, and people looked at me like, well, Tim, you know, I know, um, I know that God is just going to, you know, you've, you faithfully served him. And, and hey, you and Jennifer, God's just going to heal that. And he's going to make it all better. And I would think to myself, well, I hope the Lord's spoken to you about that, because he hasn't spoken to me about that. Uh, he's told me to be faithful. I've prayed for that. I I hope for that, but God never promised that just because you're a pastor, or a Sunday school teacher, or an elder, or a staff member, or a faithful Christian, or one who even comes on Wednesday nights, God's never promised that, hey, you're going to be rescued from the pain and agony that the rest of society has to deal with. No, God never promises that, but he does promise he will be with us. Wherever we go into that valley of the shadow of death, He will be with us. He will be our shepherd. But see, there are some false prophets going around. This is what Jeremiah was warning about. One way you know the difference between true and false prophet: the false prophet's going to tell you what you want to hear, okay? The true prophet's going to step on your toes. They're going to say some things that you need to hear, but you don't want to hear. But the false prophets say, "Oh, this is all going to get better," like you know, and they treat. Religion like it's magic. I'm going to say a prayer, hocus pocus, and everything's going to be better. And there was a whole bunch of prophets going around, and Jeremiah was he was having to warn his people, don't listen to this, because they're liars. And they were all saying, hey, you're God's people. God won't keep you over here for 70 years. He would never do that to you. This is just a little swap, you know, and, and it's going to be all better real soon and, and so here it's another way they quit living the first way was to quit living in despair but you can also quit living with false hope because you say i i don't need to plant a garden I don't need to build a house. I don't need to go to work. I don't need to invest my life in anything because God's going to come along like a fairy godmother and bippity-boppity-boop, and everything is going to be fixed and all better. So I can just sit here and do nothing. And that's a temptation that all of us face just to say, "Eh, you know what, it's all all right because it's going to magically go away and we have to resist that temptation to give into a to latch on to a false hope. Third, we have to give in to, we have to refuse the temptation to give into bitterness. There's some people they're still going they haven't given up. They haven't sat back and, and, and said, I've got a magical escape, but they are motivated, they are going, but it's not something good. They're consumed with bitterness and rage and anger and revenge, and I can't wait till the day when, and, and, and all they're filled with, they don't understand. They've, they've just exchanged uh, one form of empty life for another. In fact, it is a destructive and life. It is this poison of unforgiveness, this acid of bitterness is eating them up. And God says, hey, you have to learn to pray for the city you're in. I want you to, I want you to understand, I want you to think about that. Imagine that some Middle Eastern group came over and, and, and kidnapped you. And took you back to where they were, and you were put, this was, this was a, a terrorist group, not the friendly, peace loving people, but these were, these folks couldn't stand you, and they treated you badly and they watched you closely. And someone says, Hey, by the way, we're hanging on to the Lord. Yeah, that's right. Why don't you pray for these people? I think it's a good idea. And you would look at them and say, What? I pray for these people who have captured me, who have destroyed my home, who've taken me from everything that I could possibly imagine. And God says, yes, pray for them. He says, you live in this city. You are going to be affected, better or worse, by everything going on here. And you've got to forgive and you've got to pray for these folks. You see, God wanted them to understand. That's one of the reasons why he said, I carried you here. I led you into exile. So none of this happened without God's permission. None of this happened by accident. You're in the situation that you're in, and God has allowed it. He may or may not have caused it, but he's definitely allowed it if it's what's going on in your life. And God says, hey, you need to go ahead and let go of all of that that you've been holding on to. When we have failure, we have these temptations, and we can give up, grab on the false hope, give in to bitterness. But God wants us to do something different. He wants us to invest our lives. He talks to the people of Israel here about several ways of investing their lives. Uh, first, he talks of financial investment. That is, keep on working, keep on planning for the future. Is your future different now? Yes. A lot of us have some point in life seen a a financial setback where all of a sudden our plan for when we were going to retire or when we were going to have this much money or when whatever, we've seen some setbacks and that's changed. And you may be tempted to say, give up. And God says, keep working. There is a future for you. Keep on going. Plant those gardens. Build those houses. Build your business, work at your work, do it in a way that honors me. Not only financially, but also family and friendships. He says, continue to invest in relationships. Have sons and daughters. And have them in relationships where they grow up and they get married and they have sons and daughters. He so says, it would be easy in the middle of a loss to isolate yourself and not have anything to do with anybody. And one of the saddest things you see is uh, sometimes when people go through a family tragedy, especially losing a child, at times it can bring a husband and wife together, and they can cling to each other, but at times they grieve so differently and separate themselves that they grow apart, and there's even a further tragedy. And when tragedy comes, when the unthinkable comes, we're all tempted to isolate ourselves, and we're tempted to grieve in our own little way where we block out everybody else in the world. And there was going to be some grieving going on, no doubt. These people, God said, you're here for 70 years. That meant most of them were never going to see their homeland again. And they were going to grieve, but he said, don't quit living. Don't quit investing in your life. Don't quit working. Don't quit investing in your relationships. And don't quit investing in your faith. You see, so many times people say, well, I was doing this, this, and this. I was trying. I was trying to do what God wanted me to do. And now, but this thing happened, fill in the blank, whatever it is. So I'm going to give up. It didn't work, so to speak. In other words, I kind of had to deal with God. I was going to do this, he was going to do that. And, and, you know, these deals, by the way, they're they're not God-approved deals. They're deals we just kind of say, God, I'm going to make a deal with you. And we just assume he's going along with it. And I'm going to live this way, and you're going to give me this kind of future. And when the future doesn't turn out that way, we get mad at God and many times just say, I'm just not doing it anymore. God said, you got to keep on living not just physically and relationally, but also spiritually you got to pray. you got to come to me. you got to pray to me about not only your stuff, but even the stuff of the people around you that you're tempted to absolutely hate because they exiled you. You have to have a spiritual life. You have to keep on striving and going. You see, we're, we're all tempted to give up, aren't we? I know yesterday, Denise and I were watching that football game, State and Tennessee, and we're watching it, and we're shaking our heads, and we're getting sadder and sadder. And he says, that's it. I'm finding somebody to cheer for that can win. I'm finding another team. I said, careful. You're one step away from being an Alabama bandwagon fan, so you got to watch it, okay? Uh, hey, you started that this morning, Mott. So, uh, no, you know, really, we're, we're all tempted when things don't go our way to, to start over, Right? I mean, just to, just to give up on everything. But God says don't do it. Now here's, there's some long-term thinking involved. Most of you, when you heard Jeremiah 29, your thoughts went ahead to verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But here's the thing, people, lots of people don't know about that verse. He's talking about them and the future and the long term future of their lives, of the nation of Israel. He's not saying, I'm about to bail you out. No, he's saying, you're going to spend 70 years in exile. He says, but I want you to know that your life is not meaningless. That even though you may die in this foreign land, and you may never see what's your homeland again. You may never climb uh, the hill towards Jerusalem. You may never sing those songs of ascent that the Hebrew worshipers sang. But one day, because you kept on living, and you taught your children to keep on living, and their children. I'm going to come along, and I promise you that all you do now will not be in vain. Because one day I'm going to bring that remnant, I'm going to bring your descendants back, and they will experience the blessings now, or far in the future, of your obedience now. So this is important, because some of you have been listening and you say, Pastor Tim, I know what you're saying, don't quit, don't give up, but this is a situation that's not going to get better. And I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life. And, and, and why shouldn't I give up? God was looking at a people and telling them to give up when their situation was not going to get better for the rest of their lives. But he said, guess what? There is a hope and a future that what you do right now, generations that follow you, They are going to be blessed by your obedience because you kept on living, you kept on building, you kept on investing physically, relationally, financially, spiritually. One day, I'm going to leave your descendants back. See, a lot of what we do is is we get caught up in thinking us, 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 me, me, me. That's our natural condition. But God says, you got to think longer term you got to think, we talk about eternity, definitely we got to think about eternity. But what about those that come after you? Children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. And if you don't have any kids or grandkids, what about those who've been influenced by how you live? As they see you in a situation, and again, whatever it is, physical or financial or spiritual, and this situation's not getting better. But you keep on loving and trusting and you keep on walking in faith. And that is a powerful testimony that cannot be taken away. And God says, guess what? I'm going to honor that. I am going to bless the ways that you have lived. You may not see it. You may not be able to put your finger on it and say, I did this and God did that. But God says, believe me, what you've done will not be in vain. Keep on living, keep on loving, keep on praying and serving God. And there is a hope in a future because God says, in this terrible situation that you're in, some good is going to come out of it. Trust me now, and my hand will be revealed later on. Good things are ahead for those who follow me and trust me. And that's what he called them to do through the prophet Jeremiah, and that's what God is calling us to do today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I know that at any given time, uh, we're, we're either coming out of a circumstance or a, a trial, a going through one or about to go through one. God, even right now, there are many people in this place today that are hurting they're struggling lord they need your grace and they need your strength to keep going to tune out those false prophets to keep on loving and forgiving even when everything in them and around them screams out to them to not let it go god you have the strength you have the power to give them and i pray they would call upon you for that strength and that power Lord, not to just merely exist, not to just merely live, but to thrive. To experience that abundant life despite the circumstances that are around them. Help us all to learn to forgive just as you have forgiven us. To live in a way that impacts eternity. To live in a way that there is a legacy for the generations that follow. God, we pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.